So here we come to the 15th Sunday of the year, and there's a well-known parable at the heart of the readings today that we've all heard, um, namely the parable of the sower. And the sower scatters seed in various places, and some places it's rocky, other places the soil is thin, other places there's birds that come on the path, and finally there is rich soil, and, and so on. Now, you know, a lot of times we think that parables are sort of stories that illustrate, but in a way you're missing the idea of a parable. Um, <clears throat> a parable is more like a riddle. Uh, Paraboline means you sort of throw things out there sort of alongside each other, that this is like this. But it's not always clear how they are speaking to each other. So uh, pa parables can, can come across, especially for those who hear them, for the first time, more like riddles. So let me let me give you an example of a parable you've never heard because I made it up. Um, and you'll see how there's a kind of a riddle-like quality, especially in today's parable in the scripture here. Um, so here's the made-up parable that the, there was a man who went to wash his car. And when he went, he took with him a bucket and some soap, some sponges and water. And uh, he went to work. And some of the dirt came off right away. Some of the dirt only came off after a lot of scrubbing. And some of the dirt didn't come off at all. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Bye. Uh, so, you, you see, you kind of get it, but you don't. And you want the teacher back. You know, it kind of leaves people wanting more. Tell us, explain this to us. And you see that in today's gospel where the, the, the apostles get aside with Jesus and says, explain to us this parable you just told, you know, and... Um, uh, he does. He goes on to explain it. But, you know, as I say, go back to my parable a minute. Well, what does the dirt symbolize? Is it, are you talking about sin, or are you just talking about efforts of life, or and why does some come off quickly and others not at all? And are you, what do you mean by, you know, and so a lot of questions arise. And that's kind of the, the beauty of a parable. It, it's meant to get you thinking, and all the answers aren't immediately evident, and it kind of leaves you wanting more. You want the teacher to come back and explain. And so this is part of uh, the nature of a parable. It isn't just a story that teaches. It's often a story that raises questions, and maybe the questioning teaches. But sometimes the parable itself can be very confusing. And this one is, is true. You know, think of the first time they would have heard this. A sower went out to sow seed, you know. Some of the seed, you know, had various effects, you know, in the kind of soil. And uh, bye, see you later. You know, and they have to say, well, what's, what is the seed? What's that? Well, he says, it's the word of God, you see. And the word of God, you know, comes to people who are in different states and has different effects. Um, and um, so he explains this to them. In a way, why should I, I should go home today? Because, you know, the Lord already gave the parable. Gives the I mean the parable, and then he get then he gives the homily on the parable. I, you know, I'm, I'm done here, right? But you know, to stay with it for a minute, let's be clear about one thing: the Word of God is awesomely powerful. The Word of God is not just informative; it's performative, and if we let it, it's transformative. But that little "if we let it"'s important. Now, again, remember this is the same word where God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. See? Or he says to the proud oceans, this far shall your waves come and no further. And they stop, you see. And so again, this word of God has utter and total complete power uh, to completely change whatever it interacts with. God can 
call universes into existence just by word of command. So there's nothing wrong about the word of God. But the way God himself has set things up, our hearts have different abilities to receive this word. And that's where we have to look to. But let's meditate a little bit on some of the glory and the power of the word of God. I just put together some scripture quotes here. It didn't take me long to do it. Um, from memory, but also from some thesaurus, you know, um, online. And But these are some quotes from scripture that speaks about the power, the awesomeness of the word of God. Uh, so, for example, Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even to the deepest parts of the person, spirits, joints, and marrow, judging our thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Oh, the word of God, right through. Uh, or again, we see from Jeremiah, uh, uh, where God says to Jeremiah, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and is it not like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces? <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's God's word, you see, with all of its glory and all of its power. And Jeremiah himself said one day, but if I were to say, I will not mention the Lord or speak any more his name, but his word is in my heart, is like a fire. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in, inside. Indeed, I can't. I can't. You see, look at that power of the word of God. Or again, uh, Jeremiah again says, this, uh, my heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent, for I have heard the sound of the trumpet. I have heard the battle cry. All these things are, you know, are drawn here from the book of Jeremiah. Now, another one, Amos, the prophet Amos says this. He says, the lion has roared and who will not fear? Um, and so then the sovereign Lord has spoken. Who cannot prophesy? Or again, the apostles join in with the great company of preachers and they declare, for we cannot but speak of what God has told us and what we have seen and heard. So again, we have to speak this word. Um, and um, indeed, the Lord gave the word, and great was the company of the preachers. So you see, all these images, fire, pounding of rocks with a hammer, fire shut up in my bones, I have to speak it, you know, all these things, a sharp sword, all these powerful images of God's word. And, and so we see a magnificent, uh, just a magnificent teaching on the power of the word. But the Lord then goes on in the gospel to speak to us about the fact that though the word of the Lord is powerful, there are some human problems that set up because of the way he set things up, he himself, the Lord, is that um, we are able to resist his word. We don't we can go la, 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 or, you know, just kind of be like, oh, I don't understand. And there's a lot of things that uh, that we kind of bring to the table that can limit the power of the word of God. Hmm? In, in a way, other creatures are much more obedient to the word of God than we are, see? I mean, animals just do what their instincts tell them, you know, and uh, they reflect God's glory just intrinsically. And uh, we don't hold them morally responsible for doing things they shouldn't do or whatever. Uh, but we, on the other hand, we have freedom. We have not just freedom, and, and we have a will, and sometimes we are downright stubborn. And so the Lord lays out a number of problems here where this powerful word, which is like a hammer breaking rocks, you know, a fire shut up in my bones, can sort of land on us and be like, hmm, whatever. You know, so let's uh, let's look at some of these. I'll, I'll just list them. Um, there's five of them, five, you know, if you will, Areas where the Lord warns us that his word, although all-powerful, 
can sort of fall on deaf ears, so to speak, that there's, we, there's first of all, the problem of rejection, there's a problem of no reflection, no roots, uh, there are ripples in life, and there are riches. All right, so let's look at them all. And the Lord just details them in the parable. I'm just really reworking what he said. Uh, but the first one is rejection. He says, there are some who are very stubborn. He says, they look, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't want to listen or understand. Gross is the heart of this people. They'll hardly hear with their ears. Indeed, they've closed their eyes, lest they see, or hear, and, and their ears, lest they hear, um, and, might, and, and they might understand and have to be converted. See, so you see, they're they're stubborn. They're 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 rejecting. Um, their 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 hearts are hardened against the word of God. It says here, gross. You know, this is kind of even in English, it's kind of an odd word sitting there. Gross is the heart of this people. Um, and so uh, the Greek word is pachuno, which kind of means thick or fat or dull. By extension, it means to be insensitive. Uh, to have a hardened heart, you know, to be stubborn, you know, sluggish. I don't want to move, you know, have a lot of inertia to sit there and I won't be listening. I'm not going to pay any attention. La, 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 la. Okay. And that's an awful lot of people today. It's always been, but today especially, people actually give themselves credit for just being plain stubborn and refusing, just outright refusing, to even listen to the Word of God. They criticize what they think is the Word of God. They're quick to criticize or criticize church history, or critic, but they have never really sat down and read it, and, uh, I mean, 90% of them have never really studied it, you know. They're just out there, you know, dismissing what they think the Word of God says, and even if it's accurate, very often they understand it out of context or whatever. Just gross, just heavy, hard to get through to them because they think they know a few things. This is just plain stubbornness, you know. Uh, God said to Isaiah, um, not speaking to Isaiah personally, but speaking of all of us, he, God says, I know you are obstinate and your neck is like an iron sinew and your forehead is brass. <laughs> Isaiah 48. And he said, this is another way of saying, you know, I, I, I know you're stubborn. I know how stubborn you are. You're, 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 you're nothing gets through your thick skull. <laughs> you know, we, can, we can have a good laugh about it. it is, it's tragic when you think about it, but, you know, we ought to at least be able to laugh at ourselves. We can all have some of this in us, right? You know, nothing gets through your thick skull. All right. So we're stiff-necked. We, we tend to resist. We don't like to be told what to do. You know, this is what we call what St. Paul calls the flesh. The flesh isn't per se about the body. The flesh is an attitude. It's, it's opposed to the spirit. We're talking about our human spirit, not the Holy Spirit, although the flesh is also opposed to the Holy Spirit. But the flesh is that part of us that's defiant, that doesn't like to be told what to do, that's stiff-necked, stubborn, you know, thinks we know a few things, hates to be under authority or obedience, and doesn't want to listen. Whereas the spirit, the human spirit, is that part of us that's open to God, that is mesmerized by goodness and beauty and truth that seeks to really ask why and to want to know. And that's a better part of us, you see. But there's that battle inside, you know, where, uh, you know, not going to do it. And and, uh, and that's the flesh. And hopefully the, the spirit within us keeps us open to listening to God, even if the word will challenge us. All right, well, this is going to be a long homily. I better get moving here. Um, but again, the first problem the Lord notes is that Although God is sowing the seed of his word liberally, you know, freely, 
abundantly. Some people just outright reject it. You know, just won't listen to it. Now then he also, in the parable, uh, goes on to talk about some who... Uh, well, for example, there's, there's some where it's sown on the path and the birds come and eat it up. Now again, what does this mean? Well, he's talking here, as he explains it, he says the seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word, um, but without understanding it. And um, so uh, the evil one can come and just pick away and steal what was sown uh, in his heart. See? Now, this, he, he hears it, but without understanding. Um, the, um, the Greek word here is synaimi, uh, which means, uh, well, to synthesize, it means to, um, let's see, I, I'm looking at my Greek uh, note here. It means to put together or to set together. So, in other words, figuratively, another way of saying it is to connect the dots. So that I hear a word from the Lord and I say, ah, in the laboratory of my life, I, I see that I, I may do this or I need to do this. And um, I connect it to my reality and I'm able to make sense out of it, to kind of connect the dots or to say, oh, you know, I, I remember he says that same thing over here. And uh, so we are, our mind is actively listening and, and so on. But to hear without understanding, as it's put here, this sinaimi uh, or sinaimi um, means, you know, to hear but without understanding, without really applying it to our life. We're just saying, uh-huh. Well, that was interesting. I'm um, uh, not sure what to do with that, but, uh, you know, I'll think about that. And just kind of, it just sort of hits the surface and bounces off, you see. So it's the seed sown on the path, and the birds come and quickly eat it up. It's gone. It's not going to bear fruit, all right? So no reflection. And there's a lot of people today who don't live reflective lives. You know, uh, all the ancient philosophers said that the unreflective life is not worth living. But you see, too many people, you know, get up every day, go to work, go to, you know, hate their job, hate their boss, come home, have three martinis to settle down. They're, they're, you know, their life is kind of just chasing butterflies and whatever the latest winds or fads or fashions. And they're all in a big hurry, but they, don't, they have no idea where they're going, but they're in a big hurry to get there. And it's kind of living an unreflective life. You know, what am I doing? Where am I going? What's my life amounting to? What am I, what's my main goal? Am I getting there? You know, that's a reflective life. Too many people, it's just, you know, whatever glitters, their attention gets their attention, they're all over the place. And, um, of course, I'm never that way. See, we all have some of this in us, right? But some more than others. And there's an awful lot of people today who don't pray, who are not thinking about their life, who are basically in reaction mode all day. They, they hardly step back and reflect, you know, what's, what's going on today? Is the Lord saying something to me here? You know, uh, take time. Where am I going with my life? What am I doing? All right, I got to keep moving. So, but so the word some of some folks have just outright rejection, outright rejection. Others, uh, there is a problem of having really no reflection in their life. Another problem that some have is there's no roots. Uh, there's, there's a rootlessness. It says that some of the seed fell on thin soil. Now it sprouted immediately because the soil was warm, maybe moist, and uh, but there's no roots. It can't put down roots, and so it withers quickly. And so he says. This is the one who hears the word at first, receiving it with joy. But since he has no roots, it lasts only for a time. And then maybe some persecution related to the becomes because of the word. And he immediately falls away or is blown away by the, by the winds, the contrary winds. And so we see here that um, the idea of having no roots, no roots. Now, um, there's an old saying in the spirituals, uh, 
It says some go to church for the sing and shout before six months days all turn out. You know, some people kind of go to church and have a hallelujah and get into the sermon or the song and say, wow, that was great. Um, but again, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a thin, you know, emotional, sort of superficial a kind of faith. It's wonderful to have a good time at church. I don't, I don't deny that. But at the end of the day, um, well, how's that gonna ha- how are you going to hack it on Monday? Because, you, you know, you don't have the gospel song going now or whatever it made you happy the, the, the day before. There has to be more to it than that, you see. But for many people, there isn't. It's all kind of a, it's a, kind of a diversion that they happen to like, all right? Um, so there's a rootlessness. And again, he says here, when of any persecution amounts or any trouble or trial or test uh, that comes from the word, they just quickly run or they have no roots. They just blow away. So, for example, as long as... Uh, there are, you know, the preachers shouting popular things or shouting amen in church. But when some consequence comes from the from the word, say, hey, I'm not supposed to live this way, but I am. I, it looks like I need to change. Ah, well, I'm out of here. No roots. See, no roots. Uh, or uh, they're trying to live it, but the persecution, you know how it is, Father. I, I got a job. I can't. I got to go ahead and you know, kind of compromise with all this stuff and... Uh, Again, no roots. So the winds, the contrary winds of the world blow, and they blow with it, and they blow away. And that's the image there of being rootless. So, again, we all have some of this. Some of us, though, have it more than others, you see, as a kind of a character defect, right? Jesus never said there wouldn't be persecution. In fact, he implied there would be, right? So we have some who just outright reject the word. That's just stupid. I'm not going to read your dusty old book. Get it out of my face, you know. Uh, and others and others, they, they don't really live reflective lives. The word doesn't, you know, they don't connect the dots. And, and then others are rootless. You know, they hear the word. They're joyful for a minute, but no roots. Winds of contrariness come. They blow away or um, and so on. Now then, there's others who have what we might call ripples in life. You know, it's, it talks about the seed that's sown among the thorns, and the, the seed springs up quickly and starts to grow, but then the thorns manifest, and they just choke it off. And um, so there's a, um, <clears throat> there's a, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas actually quotes Jeremiah in, in defending the practice of exorcism before major blessings. He says, Jeremiah says, before you plant seed, first clear the thorns, and that some of the exorcisms before baptism were meant to do that. To kind of clear the ground so the thorns wouldn't quickly choke it off when it manifests. Um, I think we need to get those exorcisms back into our baptisms that we so casually got rid of in the 1970s. All right, uh, but I digress. Um, but again, people, again, it says here, the, they hear the word, but then worldly anxieties choke it off, you know. And here, understand anxieties not just as like things that you worry about, but things that just distract you, you know. Oh, I've got to get the plumber, I've got to do this, got to do that, you know. So you go to pray, and you're just, you know, 10,000 of the thoughts assail you, and you're just, oh, and you give up, and, and you run off to do the things of the world. We obsess over every little small detail. Nothing can wait till tomorrow. We're all uptight about this or that. And the, the world and its distractions just get to us, and the word can't possibly bear fruit in our lives, you see. And um, we just don't even know how to sit still. And uh, again, we all have some of this, hopefully not all of us, but I mean in the sense that but some have this more than others. They're easily distracted. They can't, you know, maybe one day when I'm retired, I'm going to get really serious about prayer and uh, I'll join a group and do some great work for the Lord. And then when they finally get retired, they say, well, I'm old now and I'm tired. I, I don't have the energy to do that. You see, it's always going to be something 
that distracts, you see. And the question is, you know, we find time for everything else that we like, you know, golf or TV or a movie or whatever. We find time, you know. But uh, when it comes to God and the things of God, we're not so good about that, see. And it all comes down to a battle about desire. You know, we tend to do and find time for what we want to. All right. So, uh, we've seen, again, um, these different things. There's some outright reject the word. Some just don't live reflective lives and connect the word to their life. Uh, others are, are rootless in the sense that they, 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 they're excited for a few minutes about something, but then consequences of the word set in or persecutions and they just blow away. You know, can't, can't take it. Or others are just distracted by the things, the cares, concerns, the things of life. And then finally, the Lord t speaks of the problem of riches. Hmm? There's one of these uh, proverbs that says, Lord, give me, give me neither poverty nor riches, lest in my poverty I steal, or in my wealth I say, who's the Lord? You know, riches have a way of uh, choking off the word and it doesn't bear fruit. They, why is it? Well, riches divide the heart. You know, look, if I really stand up for this or do that, I mean, I might not make a killing in this world. You know, I've got to... I gotta, in order to make a living, I gotta make a killing. I gotta compromise with the world. I gotta go along, you know. I, you know, and even in the church, you know, I think part of the reason we're so quiet and fearful and silent in the face of all the social malaise of our day is is that we have too much to lose. Big buildings, properties, contracts with the government, the Catholic charities, you name it. We've got all this stuff, and that compromises you pretty quick. You know, you have quote too much to lose. But the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Which is another way of saying he was free. See, He was free to follow his father and do what his father told him. You know, it's pretty hard to intimidate a man who has nothing. There's a strange paradoxical freedom that comes with poverty. And a strange slavery that comes with riches. And the Lord is saying that a lot of people just have too much invested in this world. It takes too much of their time. And my word becomes threatening to them because they say, well, wait a minute. You know, if I went off and served the poor more, I'd, I wouldn't make as much money over here. Or, you know, if I got to change my life, you know, and stop, I'm going to, you know, start living the gospel. I might have to give up some of my favorite sins. And, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, so we get all wrapped up in the riches and the vainglory of the world. And we think we can't live without that stuff, see. And the word of God starts to seem even threatening, you see. All right. Well, you see, there's a lot of issues. Now, look, the word of God is all powerful. But the way God has set it up is your heart is yours. I will not burst in. I will not ravage you, rape you, whatever strong words you want to come up with. I stand at the door and I knock. So the word of God is all powerful. But that ability of that power is that we have to say, all right, Lord, I will it. Let it do with me what you need to do. I was just over in the church playing on the organ, uh, an old German chorale called Schafschnitt mir, which translated just means do with me, O Lord, as you will. Like, that's scary, man. I'm thinking, this is getting scary. Um, but, you know, I'm too busy playing the notes. To, but that's what the words say. <laughs> and it's a beautiful old chorale, but it's, it's, it's um, challenging, isn't it? You know, uh, Lord, Whatever you need to do, do it. You know, and say, are you really ready to pray that prayer? See? And so the Lord realizes that there's some things in our hearts that have to be healed for his word to have the full effect. Now, if he goes to work and begins this healing, we come to the last part of this gospel. 
where the Lord talks about the produce that comes from the gospel. So, yes, the, the word of the Lord uh, has all power, but there are problems in us. But if we will let the Lord go to work on those problems, there is a produce that comes from the word of God. The Lord says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, in other words, connects it to his life, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Wow, you see? So if we will allow the word of God to come into our heart and really meditate and think on it and say, now what does this mean? And are there some changes I need to make? Things I need to stop doing or things I need to start doing? What, what are these things? Lord, teach me. I'm hungry. Teach me your word. And even if we're not able to make immediate changes in some areas because we're, we're just struggling with compulsions, you know, the Lord starts to go to work and he, his word begins to drive back the darkness and ignorance and error that's so part of our world and part of us. And the word of God begins to change, you know. And the word of God, again, doesn't just inform. It has the power to transform and it can perform, you see. So, if we will let the Lord, he will go to work. Now, I, I, I hope you're a witness. I'm going to say I'm a witness. You know, I've studied the Word of God now since I was about 22 years old, 23, whatever I entered the seminary. I can't remember now how old I was, but it would have been hmm, 80, 83, maybe 84, you know, so 20, 22 maybe or so. But the point is that, um, I mean, I'm an utterly changed man. I, I, don't, I don't think the way I used to think. I don't even want to tell you some of the stupid things I used to think when I was a young man. But I'm a, I'm a change man. I think differently. My priorities are different. Um, I the things I, I used to think were cool and you know whatever I kind of look back and laugh at. And some of the things I used to say, oh, boring. I'm thirsty and hungry for. I'm excited about now. You see, uh, I'm even sometimes parsing Greek verbs. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's very secondary. But I mean, that's all part of that hunger to understand the Word of God. And I love it, and I, I, I spend time with it every day. I, I love to preach, you can tell. I mean, look how long this thing is. I mean, it's, it's just an amazing thing. And the Word of God hasn't just changed the way I think, but, you know, the way we think affects the way we act. You know, you've heard my little litany before, but here it comes again. So a thought, reap a deed. So a deed, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. And it all starts up here in the old noodle. It all starts with the Word of God going to work in our mind, in our heart. And beginning to change the way we think, and everything else flows from that. See, even some of the things I used to be anxious and scared about, I'm not anymore. And some things that I shouldn't have been, should have been more anxious about, I am now. In the in the proper sense, you know, proper sense of the fear of the Lord. I mean, we we need to you know get these things at work in our life. You see, and the Lord will go to work. So you just let Him in. The Lord's going to say, look. I'm going to come into your life now. I'm going to share my word with you. I'm going to, and my word isn't just some informative word. It's a transformative word. We say, you say in the old theology that the word of God is not just noetic, it's dynamic. That is to say, it's not just informational, it's powerful. Hmm? Dynamos, where you get the word like dynamite, dynamic, you know. Um, it's, um, it's, it's not just some intellectual exercise reading the Word of God, in a way it was, you know, noetic. It's dynamic, if we will let it be, see? And um, so the question is, what are some of the those troubles that we talked about? And are some of those things kind of operative in your life? And what can you and I do to help the Lord to get rid of them? Hmm? And um, 
we need to, you know, this is one of those passages that we need to almost use kind of as a, uh, a prelude to go into confession, a kind of an examination of conscience, you know. I mean, you know, somebody says to me, I don't go to confession because, you know, I don't have much to confess. I'm like, wow, what a saint. <laughs> but, you know, you really sit down with some of these passages and you say, you know, I do this. I'm not always living a reflective life. I'm running, running, running. I never stop to think and pray. Or I really am kind of, uh, I'm kind of rootless. I just say, you know, as soon as the, the winds blow contrary to the gospel, I go right with them like a leaf just carried along. You know, you, know, you decide. But you see, this this word can utterly change us, and it, and it will if we let it. But the Lord won't force it, and that's why his all-powerful word sometimes comes up against resistance from, uh, you know, from us. You know, there's an old saying, you know, what happens when an irresistible force meets an in, immovable in object? <laughs> and um, sometimes that immovable object is us. You know? And uh, it's one of those imponderables. What does happen when an irresistible force meets an immovable object? <laughs> which, which gives... Well, in this particular case, um, God has basically said, well, it's ultimately your heart that's going to win the day. So my word is an irresistible force, but you could be an awfully immovable object, and you can have your fingers in your ear half the day going, I don't want to hear it. And um, that's how we are. All right, well, a long one today. It's a long gospel. I've got a lot of implications, and uh, you might think I would have been shorter because the Lord supplied the homily inside the gospel. But we do have to take even that and apply it. And I do pray with, with you that uh, in these 30 minutes we spent, that, you know, you might find some things, as I, as I do. That I, I, I need to go to work a little on this piece here, you see. You decide what it is. Let the Holy Spirit show you. And let the Lord go to work. Amen.